Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to episode 228 of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Most people have experienced back pain. In fact, it's estimated that 80% of adults experience low back pain at some point in their lives. And it's getting worse, according to the U.S. National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Our guest today has struggled with back issues since she was a child, and she's with us today to tell her story. And joining us from Wisconsin is Maria, who doesn't want us to use her last name, so we won't. Maria, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. When did your back pain first develop? It actually developed when I was 11 years old. And uh, we had moved away from my childhood village, but I kept in touch with my best friend there. And I was able to visit her in the summertime. So I was visiting and we were doing some crazy things out in the woods and uh, I hurt my back and I could barely walk while well, they snuck me upstairs into her bedroom. Well, back then, parents, as long as they could hear us, they didn't care what we were doing. <laughs> we, were, we were upstairs. I couldn't move, but I didn't dare call my family because then I would have had to go home. So I actually stayed upstairs for four days while my girlfriend took care of me and uh, and then it just kind of got better. So, well, it did get better for a short time. And then it kept rearing its ugly head over the years until finally in my early twenties, it became unbearable at times. But again, it would go back to, I would, I would be fine, but I was a single mother working. I had no health insurance. So I did what I had to do as far as keeping my pain under control and still had to work. So basically started when I was 11 and then just continued to progress until I finally had a surgery when I was uh, 39. 39 years old, you had back surgery? Yes. And uh, up until that point, you were on medications to help you with the pain? Well, pretty much uh, whatever I could get my hands on at that point, because like I said, I didn't have health insurance. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have a family physician, and, um, and I was working two and three jobs, so I didn't have much of a choice to you know, lay on my back. It was only myself and my daughter at that time. We had already, we had come to the States from Canada at that point, and that was back in the 70s. So, you know, I just had to do what I had to do. So whatever I could get from friends and people on the street, basically, is what kept me going as far as pain meds. When you say people on the street, what are you talking about? People on the, all street meds, whatever I could get my hands on. I hate to even say some of the things I had to use. Mm -hmm. Back in the late 70s, they were things that uh, the vets were being given for, like, when they lost their limbs and stuff. Now, did, did the surgery help with your pain at all, your back issue? You know, it didn't right away. Um, and I, I had a friend of a friend who was a construction worker, and he had the same surgery. And after 30 days, he was back to work. And um, that didn't happen with me. It took me about seven months of extensive physical therapy to get me back to walking again, walking without a walker. And, um, but then it's not, it has never been the same since it still goes out 
And they told me within 10 years, I would probably have to have another surgery. And it's been over 20. Well, now it's acting up and I'm actually scheduled for an MRI soon. So I still have debilitating back pain when it goes out. Now, you've had some other health issues along the way, haven't you? I sure have. have. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a long list. I have a long list. Take us take us through some of them. Um, Well, besides them, half a dozen at least surgeries that I've had between my back and my neck. Had three on my spine, but um, oh, I can't remember how many years now it's been. It was several years ago. I uh, I had contracted Hep C, and they. They don't know for sure how, but um, I've had many surgeries way before they tested blood, and I'm also um, a paramedic, so I'd been stabbed by needles several times in the ambulance. So you never know, you know, where I could have contracted it. But um, by the time they found it out, I had been sick for several years, just just getting weaker and more tired. And I thought, well, it's my age, you know, because I worked hard, and um, then I. I was going to the doctors and they were trying to figure things out test after test. And finally a doctor called me and said that I had hep C and this was back before, uh, I guess there's easier um, treatments now for it. But back in, back then it was a year long of uh, really nasty, nasty meds. Um, the low dose chemo is one of the meds that you take once a week in a shot. And, um, uh, they told me, oh, you'll be fine. Just exercise and eat healthy and you'll be okay. Well, within two months, I was bedridden. And I was bedridden pretty much for the rest of my my um, treatment. So, But I, I, I love listening to doctors and say, oh, this won't hurt a bit. <laughs> mm. you know? so, so after or during that treatment, towards the end, I started having other issues, a deep-seated itching, um, no rashes or anything like that. It was like deep in my tissues. And then I was getting like little electrical shocks and stabbing and, and I was Googling these things and going to the doctors. Nobody could figure it out. They said, it's not due to the treatment or the meds you're getting. It's not, you know, we can't figure this out. So I came across a disease called Durkham's and it sounded just like what I was experiencing and all of everything that I was experiencing was in this Durkham's. Do you and know, it, M- Maria, it's interesting you mentioned that because when I saw the, you sent us a few notes of, on, on some of your issues, and I had, I'd never heard of Durkham, so I had to look it up. And just for our audience information, it says, Durkham's is a rare condition characterized by generalized obesity and fatty tumors in the adipose tissue. The tumors are normally painful and found in multiples on the extremities. The cause and mechanism of Durkham's disease remains unknown. It sounds, oh, it sounds really, really uncomfortable. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible illness. I, um, like I said, I, I thought, oh, this is rare. This is no way is this what I've got. And I kept searching and searching for months. And my daughter was helping me. She was buying me all kinds of different shampoos and lotions and things. And nothing was working, of course, because it's internal. Um, what I've come to discover over the years, because I, I belonged at the time, I belonged to probably seven or eight Durkham's groups. And, um, I just was, I was crying every day with these women because nobody was listening. No doctors were listening. There's one specialist in Arizona and, and then sometimes families weren't even giving, caring about these people. 
luckily I have a very caring family and, you know, they believed what I was going through. Um, what happens, what seems to happen is these lipomas start leaking and that's what causes these like almost like little electrical shocks and then the itching. It's um, almost like an allergy, like you're leaking some kind of allergic substance into your body. That's, that's the easiest way I can explain it. Of course, there's, there's a, a more technical explanation, but... Maria, even though the doctors at that point weren't uh, agreeing with you or telling you what you had, um, were they prescribing painkillers for you? And if so, what were you on? Oh, yeah, I was on, I was, oh, my goodness. Well, of course, the usual things that they love to prescribe is gabapentin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, many of the doctors want to prescribe you um, um, anti, um, like anti-anxiety meds. Well, of course, I'm anxious. I have this thing going You've on got in my pain, body. You know, pain going through the roof. That'll cause a yeah, bit of anxiety. Pain, yeah, and sick and weak and can't work any longer, which that, you know, that just was the end of my life, it felt like, because I've worked my entire life. I mean, even as a kid, being immigrants, being from a, you know, from a, um, a European family, we all worked. The kids all worked together. And all the money gets put into, you know, Everyone takes care of each other, basically. Mm-hmm. So we were kids out in the fields working. I've worked my entire life, and I can't, I couldn't stand that I was bedridden. And then when you're so in so much pain, even though you have all these painkillers and things that the doctors are prescribing, my husband would take me to the hospital when it was unbearable for me, when nothing would help. And then they would just look at you like you're you're looking for pain meds. And I'd open my purse and say, look, I have a purse full of pain meds. I want someone to help me because I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they would do whatever they could at the emergency room and then send you home and and nothing is solved. When, so I, when I, did, I re- sorry, go sorry, ahead. I just refused to, to go to the emergency room any longer at that point. Because you weren't getting any satisfaction was, yeah. when you went. Right. Yeah. And it's just humiliating and you're uncomfortable. <laughs> Why go? I might as well be uncomfortable at home. When did you first uh, have cannabis enter into the picture? Well, I, you know, I've smoked on and off my entire life. Um, I had quit smoking a couple different times um, when I was going to school. Of course, when I was, you know, riding in the ambulance, I wasn't smoking. But um, I noticed that it really helped, especially with my PMS back when I, <laughs> when I had PMS. Um, I noticed it would help tremendously but I didn't know about really I know about cannabis oil until a few years ago um and that was when I I, well actually I discovered it on um, Phoenix Tears and that it was you Corey first that that introduced me to uh the Rick Simpson oil in the story right so you started taking that did you or I did not at that point because I, I didn't even connect, you know, that with, because I was reading all of the cancer, people using it for cancer. Cancer, yeah, yeah. And um, so I hadn't really researched any further as far as what it could help. And right around that time, I found out a friend had cancer. So I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to see what I can do to help you. And um, I did, <laughs> I did learn to make the oil with a lot of mistakes. Oh, so many mistakes. And then giving it to someone who's so sick. I mean, they sent him to hospice to die. He was done. And um, he said, I've got nothing to lose. And so so we tried it. And I couldn't, we, none of us, even his doctors, couldn't believe the turnaround. 
he had he left hospice. I think I wrote that in my thing. He left hospice, went back to an, his own apartment, got another car, started driving again, playing music, doing all these wonderful things that he loved to do. And um, I thought, hey, if if this is helping him in this serious disease, maybe it can help me. So I did. I started using it for myself. Do you remember the first time you took oil? Um, I don't remember if it was the first time, but a couple of times I wasn't taking the oil at first. I was making okay. edible. Okay. And I, and you know, I didn't know, I didn't know dosing. I didn't know anything. Sometimes I'd take too much and feel sick, um, or get a headache. And I wasn't sure if it was that doing it or if it was just my own illness, my stress, I had no idea, you know, so it was all just trial and error at that point. How was your uh, how was your Hep C and uh, this Durkham's? How did that uh, resolve itself, or has it resolved itself? Well, the Durkham's has not resolved itself, but okay. I treat myself now with with cannabis oil, and um, it works wonderfully. I mean, I learned how to microdose because, like I said, I wasn't sure about dosing, and I would either take too much or it wasn't enough. And mm. I I discovered microdosing on one of the groups. I can't remember which, but I thought, hey, let me try that. Marie, you know, can you explain to people who might not be aware what microdosing is? Oh, certainly. Um, instead of taking um, the five or six drops, which, you know, some people can take 10 drops, some people can only take one, but for, for a good heavy dose, say five or six drops, I would only take one or two. And then three hours later, I might take one. And then three hours later, one or two. And I would do it like that throughout the day. Until I finally got it right, and I really only have to dose three times a day now, and it's only two or three drops. Okay, when you're, so, when then, you're saying drops, is this straight cannabis oil you're talking about, or is it mixed it, with something? No, I, I mix it with MCT oil. Okay, I just want to be really clear for people out there. Yeah. I don't want everybody running over and getting their cannabis oil and taking five and, drops, because we <laughs> could have a bit of an issue. <laughs> so let's be clear about that, that yours is, is, is mixed down. So I know when people microdose, just for an FYI, when people microdose with uh, cannabis oil, it's generally little pinhead amounts. Because with what I'm talking about here is the straight oil. So pinhead amount every hour or so, uh, every couple of hours, depending on their tolerance. How is that working for you, Maria? It, like I said, it's working wonderfully. Um, I haven't had an, an opioid, not a single pill, since May 30th, 2017. Wow. And as far as the all the, the gabapentin, oh, it, it's been since I started taking, since I started using it medicinally, I stopped taking all of my, all of the pills, any anti-anxiety, um, anti, I, I keep forgetting what I'm trying to say here, that people take for depression, antidepressants they give you for pain. And I don't know if they're doing that because they think it's all in your head or if antidepressants work for some people for pain. It did not work for me at all. So, so any of those drugs, they just had horrible side effects. So May 30th of 2017, over two years ago, you took no pharmaceutical medications and you're strictly on cannabis. Correct. That must have been quite, uh, I guess, rewarding for you to know that you've uh, eliminated all those pharmaceuticals. And how has your health improved over that time? 
yeah, it's a complete 180. Um, it was to the point, I think a lot of the drugs kept me home, to tell you the truth, the pharmaceutical drugs, they made me antisocial. I couldn't look people in the eye. Um, so I just, I refused to go out any longer and I was homebound for several years. And um, it got to the point, the pain got so bad before, before I started dosing with cannabis, the pain got so bad and the social anxiety got so bad that I actually, I didn't consider taking my own life, but I felt like I no longer wanted to live because it just wasn't life any longer. Oh, it got that dark, did it? Every time I think of that, I just, um, yeah, I want to cry. No. I was in such bad shape during that hep C treatment, and my mother was in really bad shape, and she lived in Canada, so I couldn't travel because I was so sick, and she kept saying, don't worry, honey, don't worry about it. And um, she ended up passing away before I completed my treatment, and I couldn't even see her before she died. And that's one of the things that kills me. And I know if I was taking cannabis at that point and not those pharmaceuticals, I could have traveled to see her before she died. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Yeah. That's how, really how, tough. Does your, uh, how does your family feel about your cannabis use? Um, uh, well, no one said anything negative. <laughs> well, they must see the changes in you, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I have a couple, like my daughter is one that she's, she's struggling with her health as well. And, um, well, there's a couple reasons why she doesn't want to use the oil, but well, I, I guess I shouldn't really talk about her and what she, what she wants, but, um, she's really thrilled for me. <laughs> If you were to talk to somebody who suffers from chronic pain, like you did, and you were talking to them about cannabis, what would you say to them? Uh, well, I say this to people every day in a lot of groups. You, you are so quick to listen to a doctor and just accept that they know what they're prescribing you when most of the time they don't. They don't know what they're prescribing you. It's the, it's the pharmaceutical companies and their representative that explain to the doctors what it does. And then the doctors just tell you what the pharmaceutical rep told you. And we learned through the opioid crisis just how wrong they can be, mm -hmm. you know, that that doctors aren't always the greatest. <laughs> I don't want to say they're not the greatest because I have a great doctor. I really do. And he's, he's fine with my cannabis use. Um, but I, but I tell people if, if you're willing to just take a prescription and then feel all those horrible effects and the doctor tells you, well, you have to take it for at least three weeks to a month or six weeks before you notice any positive, <laughs> but you're, mm -hmm. you're, feeling all these horrible negative reactions from it, then why wouldn't you want to at least try cannabis? Would it be fair to say that this has completely changed your life? Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely has changed my life. Yeah, I'm ready to go back to work. I'm not going to do the things that I did before, but I have a lot of things in mind. <laughs> And most of them have to do with the cannabis industry. So I'm definitely going to be pushing Pushing for reform, obviously. I've been doing that for several years. Well, good on you. Where do you think you'd be, Maria, if you had not discovered cannabis? I, um, I don't even want to think about that. I really don't. Because it was, getting, it was just getting horrible. And my wonderful husband, 
who, I mean, we bought a home with two incomes and now only have one. Um, and he works so hard and he, he's so loving, but I felt horrible for him too, because he had to come home from work and see me like I was every day and just ask, what can I do for you? And I couldn't do anything back for him. So. Well, the nice thing is he loves you. Yes, he does. Yeah, I'm very lucky because there are so many, so many women, especially in my Durkham's groups, whose husbands left them or don't believe that they're going through their struggle. And that's, that's because doctors don't want to, if they don't understand something, most of them, I should say most of them, they don't want to do the research and they don't want to figure out what's wrong with you. They just want to pass you on to another doctor. Here, let's, what, what do you think? This might be a rheumatologist thing. Let's send you there. Or this might be, um, oh, I don't know, they just, they just kept sending me to different specialists. And, and they only specialize in whatever they specialize in. And they don't want to do any more research. So, Have you had many converts uh, to cannabis from your Durkham's group? Oh, yes, I have. Um, some of them, of course, if they're in illegal states or whatever, they're afraid to use it. But um, some at least have used um, the topicals for mm -hmm. pain relief. And it really does help the uh, lipomas that are near the surface. So that's a big help. Um, I wish I could talk more into using it. But um, so many of them would just turn, turn their nose up and start talking about the pharmaceuticals that they're on. And I just, I had to leave. Actually, I left all of the groups but one. So that's how I stay in touch with some of the ladies. And I say ladies because it's mostly women who have this. Oh, is, is, there are, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. At least that we know of. I mean, we have a few, few men in the group. But as far as the studies, the few studies that have been done, um, it's mostly women. Now, does the, the, the cannabis on the Durkhams, which are these little tumors on the extremities, do you apply it externally or do you take the cannabis internally or both? Yes, I'm using it internally and externally. Okay, and your hep C is okay? Oh, yeah, that was cleared. Luckily, that cleared after that year treatment. Yeah, I, I was checked every year for several years after that. and. Yeah, my liver's great. And awesome. and your back pain. Well, <laughs> I'm having a disc issue right now, so um but it does it does help to control it, but it's not taking care of obviously it won't take care of a disc problem. Yeah. So So otherwise you're you're on you're on the road to good health. I'm on the road to good health. Um they're sending me for an MRI and then of course they wanted to send me to pain management and I said, "Well, what are they going to offer me?" What can they possibly offer me? And the only thing they can offer me is drugs <laughs> or pain injections. And I said, I'll just wait. Thank you very much. I don't need pain management any longer. I manage my own pain just fine. Great. Well, Maria, it's nice to know that you're on the road to recovery. We wish you all the best in the future. And thanks very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I like to get the message out any way I can. And you just did. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. We'd like to give a big thank you to Ron Zarr of Rowan Sound, our producer, who has generously donated his studio so we can continue recording these podcasts. And Corey, just a reminder to listeners, if they would like to contribute to Cannabis Health Radio, you can go on our website and make a donation. And also we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, which you didn't know about. Which I didn't know about, but I'm now informed. Yay. Yay. So, yeah, thank you, everybody, for your support. Uh, Very much appreciated. And thank you to Mark in Belgium, who puts our podcasts up on YouTube. We greatly appreciate it. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.